The Free For All Roundtable. Round two. On round two, live in studio, I might add, Brad Bradford is here, Toronto City Councillor, Anthony Fury, former Post Media columnist and mayoral candidate, and Adua Insia Yabois, News Talk 1010 traffic specialist. Uh, Anthony Fury and Brad Bradford, and I'll start with Brad. Uh, I just want to establish off the top, is there heat between the two of you, or are you guys good? No, 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 things are good. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Fury is a constituent of mine. He uh, lives a few blocks away, so uh, we're all in the neighborhood. It's all good. All right, and Anthony, you guys were rival candidates but you're good we're all good and i i I will note that a couple times i have constituent concerns over the years and uh councillor bradford's office has helped us out quite well yes well and i'm on record actually my city councillor is josh matlow and uh he's been a very attentive city councillor to my needs but anyway let's keep moving here uh poll finds there's a support for some new taxes and all of this is on the agenda apparently at city hall today or at the very least on executive committee uh brad bradford are there any of these particular taxes taxes that you would favor because I or, and do we agree with the premise that we've got to have some form of new taxation or fee no I do not okay well, I'll get to you in a second <laughs> you know what <laughs> since I've been uh, following City Hall uh, the budget for the City Hall operating budget has gone from 11 billion dollars uh, in 2018 to 16 billion dollars today and it's a 25 percent increase in the size of civil service I don't think you nef- necessarily feel like your services have improved by 25 percent so we have to implement cost control measures. And this does go back to that discussion that we're all having. Uh, what level of government is responsible for delivering the services? And, you know, uh, it was mentioned earlier this morning when we talk about child care, when we talk about long-term care homes, the city operates 11 long-term care homes. We're required to operate one. Um, do we have to have a conversation with other levels of government about who ought to be operating and paying for those yeah. things? I mean, honestly, why are we operating long-term care homes? That is not a municipal thing. That's right. And and it costs us a lot of money. Uh, transit is a big driver as well. You know, Mayor Chow had made a commitment to restoring transit service. Uh, you know, there was a, a 6% reduction in that. But it costs us $200 million to, to restore that transit absent the ridership. And the challenge on the budget pressure is because we don't get a nickel from other levels of government for operating costs when it comes to transit. And yet there's a huge societal benefit for that. So there's a lot of things that we have to work with the province and the federal government on, and that is where I would start the conversation rather than going out to Toronto taxpayers right off the bat during an affordability crisis when interest rates are through the roof, grocery prices are more expensive, and of course the housing crisis that we are all experiencing today. Okay, Anthony Fury, you're already weighed in, so I'll let you continue to carry the ball. Yeah, John, this is a report from staff on how to deal with this large deficit the city has. And all they really do is talk about the new taxes that they can potentially bring in. Now, council did direct them to do that, but it would have been nice if if the new mayor and the new leadership had said, "Okay, thanks, guys. Pause. Time out. Can you now go write us a report on things that we can do to first find those savings, first find those efficiencies? I think it's rather concerning that Mayor Chow has endorsed this report pretty much entirely rather than saying, okay, but first we're going to go see what we can do in terms of the various savings, some of the things Councillor Bradford just mentioned, because that's got to be the obligation to folks. If people are having trouble paying the bills as is, you can't right away from day one say, and we're going to jack up your taxes. Okay, so Adjoy, maybe the wrong questions were being asked in this survey. Everybody was asked, which of these poisons do you want to take? Yeah, maybe when, when it comes right down to it, we are all struggling right now, so a tax is hard on people, but sometimes it is necessary. You can find saving measures, which is a good thing to do, but 
things that can be done. I do agree with the vacant home tax increase and maybe increasing parking fees. But then on top of that, you do have to go back to the provincial and the feds and get them to pay what they're supposed to pay. The way they're just able to get away with it is baffling to me. And you can say you don't want to put road tools, but then you can't say um, Ford can't say that he's not going to help the city that is struggling and that's basically paying for everything. So there has to be a meeting of the minds because this can't continue because it's not sustainable. Okay, so the future of e-scooters in our town. And Anthony Fury, I'll start with you on this one. Uh, We have this story this morning of a woman who got hit by an e-scooter. But, you know, I mean, people get hit by cars. We're not going to ban cars. Uh, uh, One of the wider issues would seem to be that uh, e-scooters, if we adopt one of those programs like the Bixie Bikes, uh, people just leave them where they are. And the visually impaired say that they're not going to be able to put up with that. But uh, your thoughts? Because clearly it's an alternative, right? It's an alternative transportation that an environmentalist would be in favor of well we actually have banned e-scooters but nobody knows there's not the awareness of the fact that those bylaws have been passed and i think it does look like a flexible way to get around people don't feel safe on transit anymore they don't want to be stuck in traffic they obviously want an affordable option these things are really inexpensive so we're going to see more and more of this and a lot of people talking about uh, regulatory measures but the police say they need a whole unit to enforce this and as you know there's car thefts happening left right and center there's not uh, sufficient resources to investigate that there's not sufficient resources to deal with the real crimes so i think we're stuck in a, a difficult situation here where we do have to talk about e- easing this into our lives in the appropriate way because y- you can't put the genie back in the bottle i think Adjua, our friend uh, Karim Assad gets around almost exclusively on a scooter, and it seems to work pretty well for her. But I also was testifying earlier this morning that trying to get across Young Street in my neighborhood is about trying not to get run over by a scooter, then by a car, then by another car in the other direction, (laughs) then by a scooter in the other direction. (laughs) No, it's true. I will say coming home uh, last night from the CNE in my car, uh, there was an e-scooter because they don't abide by anything, right? So they're making a left. They did not have the right of way. Because I am a good driver, I was able to avoid them. But they just put their hand up as if that's going to be the way to stop it. There does have to be some sort of regulation. I don't know if that looks like um, licensing and insuring. So then you're going to see people actually abiding by the rules because there are consequences to their bad driving actions. But it is dangerous. And they're saying that the cap speed is only 24 kilometers an hour. Definitely they're going faster than that. I've seen them just going faster speeds. And the faster you go the more injury is likely for people that are on sidewalks and on the roadway. And if you're going to regulate them, they should not be on the sidewalks. I believe there should be like a lane for them. So they're not hitting people that are walking slowly and weaving in and out. And next thing you have injuries and accidents on sidewalks, which should not be a thing. Brian Branford, you are in a position to enact policy on this. Where do you stand? Well, this is a classic city council debate deferral delay. This has in fact been in front of us three times. Uh, and we still haven't moved forward as a council, and yet the cities move forward because you see them everywhere. And I think there is a, a practical element here of a last mile solution. You know, and Anthony was saying, like our ability to enforce these things, like our ability to enforce, you know, not having drinking in parks or our council's new pet project. 
contract, the idea of banning two-stroke motors uh, for lawn equipment. Like, there are not resources to go out and enforce all these different bylaws. So you can put them on the books, but, you know, if we're not doing any enforcement on it, is that the best way forward? You know, you want to bring it in. You want to have a framework to support this in a safe manner. I, I will say the staff reports have been quite damning on these things uh, from a safety perspective. But I think just because the world is changing and how people are getting around the city is changing and evolving, uh, city and local government has to evolve too, and it's time we get on with it. Quebec is banning cell phones in elementary and high school classrooms. Adjoa and Sia Yabois, I think that's a welcome development. Although I don't want to be a Luddite because I know some teachers use tech as part of their teaching plan. Well, in, in the article, they said teachers would still be able to uh, have access and be able to use their phones uh, during teaching and any sort of assignments. And kids could still have their phones as well in emergency situations. So it become comes down to, I think the problem is you can have these bans, but it's up to the schools to decide to use them and whether they're actually going to work because kids are very savvy. And there's one way you could do it, which where it could work if they put the ban in place and it happens and teachers wouldn't have to enforce it. You could actually do, when you go to concerts, certain artists, what they do, they put your cell phone in a locked bag and then you can't use them. And then during that period of time you're in class, when you're in the hallway, you can, but during the time you're in class, no, you shouldn't have access just to be scrolling through Instagram or whatever social media. You should be focusing on what you're learning in school. So I do agree with the ban. It just comes down to how you're going to enforce it and make it happen. And it is like having an open channel to somewhere else at all times. So you're not concentrating. I mean, I'm thinking I texted you, Brad Bradford, yesterday. You texted back. I'm at breakfast. And I thought, okay, so he's actually having to detach himself from his breakfast for a moment just to answer me on the cell phone. Well, yeah. I mean, you can walk and talk uh, at, at the same time. But I, I appreciate it. It's a distraction. Admittedly, it's been a few years since I've been in an elementary school classroom. But at the same time, you know, as Adjua was saying, the ability to enforce this, are we putting this now on teachers? Another thing for, they, for them to to look after are we going to be banning smartwatches which are connected to phones True. like what is what yeah. what's the practical steps in terms of doing this and also like we live in a world with ubiquitous tech so you know do kids need to grow up and operate and learn to function and and learn to to participate in classrooms with with technology as well and and recognizing that that's not going away that's a part of our lives uh, so you know I'm, I'm probably less keen on the practicality of a ban but you got to pay attention when you're butts in the seat. Clock's a ticking, and I'm curious, Anthony Fury, because I'm sure you have an opinion on this. Uh, three judges ruling against Jordan Peterson. He has been disciplined by his professional association. He's a psychologist, and the court said that the professional association is within its rights. What do you say? Yeah, you know, Jordan's a friend of mine. I think when people judge someone by their worst tweet, uh, they sometimes go in that direction. But people who read his books and watch the sort of longer videos, they, they come around to really see what he's uh, all about and they, they view him favorably. And I think this is concerning because these were not patients who filed a complaint, but random individuals. It wasn't to do with his clinical practice. And could an engineer, could a dentist, could anyone under a, a professional uh, regulatory body face censure for uh, a, a, a tweet criticizing Trudeau? Or, or saying things uh, about transgender issues, which is what uh, Peterson faced here. So I, I think it is actually worrisome, the broader implications, whatever you think of Peterson. My thanks to you all. Good to have you today. City Councilor Brad Bradford, Anthony Fury, and Adjua Insia Yebois. Thanks for listening. My thanks to Mike Catherwood and Joe Cristiano for their work behind the scenes for the most part. 
Um, tomorrow will be Friday. I, you know, unless something terrible happens, I imagine it will be a sweet, sweet Friday. So I'll see you there.